Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters, or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. God is good. And all the time. Let's try it again. God is good. And all the time. Welcome everyone. Thank you very much for coming. We are in the second week. I've noticed in all my years of doing these programs, once you get past the first week, the next two weeks fly like lightning. Really like lightning, and you will see that for yourself. And then you'll say, now it's over. What shall we do? We've gotten accustomed to coming every night. What shall we do? I was conducting one of these programs in Detroit. Wouldn't mention the church. And uh, they asked me to come and meet with the brethren because there was some concern every night. Every night we have to work, we have to do this, we have to play, we have to do everything. So I met with them and I said, when can you come? I can come on Wednesday. Will you come on Wednesday? When can you come? I can come on Monday. Will you come on Monday? But don't ask me to shut down the gospel just because you can't come. And so we met every night. <clears throat> Towards the end of the second week, they said, we have to talk. We can't stop this. <laughs> That's what they said. We can't stop this. And they arranged a revelation seminar to begin right after the three weeks ending. Because they'd gotten into the rhythm of every single night. And so you'll experience the same thing, guaranteed. You'll say, now what shall we do? Find something to do. To promote, thus saith the Lord. I welcome those of you online, wherever you are. Thank you very much for your faithful attendance. And may the Lord bless you in a very personal way. Who is with us tonight, right here? You're not a Seventh-day Adventist. May I see your hand? What's your name? Abigail? Amy? Hanes. Ah, that's your first name. Oh my, Hanes. How are you, Sister Hanes? Ah, well, thank God for that. We can't thank the government for that. We thank God for that. Thank you very much for coming. And may the God of heaven grant you the desires of your heart. Say amen for Sister Hanes. Say it again. Amen. And we have a gentleman right here. What's your name? Fitz. That's one name or two names? Oh, Fitz. My father's name was Fitz, but he, Fitzgerald. How are you, Brother Fitz? Nice to see you. Where are you from? Well, where are you from now? <laughs> In where? Okay, Lord of what lakes? Lauderdale Lakes. Where are you from, Sister Haney's? Lot of the old same place. Oh, do you know this gentleman? Well, you're from the same neighborhood. We'll get together and say hi. <laughs> but the fits, may the Lord bless your life. And bless you so much, he then uses you 
to be a blessing to others. Say amen for Brother Fitz. All right. Anybody else? You are not? Ah, hi. Could you stand? Tell us your name. Your name is? Aliyah. Hello, Aliyah. How are you? Now, where are you from? You're from Lauder Lakes. Lauder Lakes. Lauderdale. Is there a Lauder Hill? So there's a Lauder Hill, a Lauderdale, and a Lauder Lakes. That's a good way to confuse a preacher from out of town. <laughs> Aaliyah, thank you for coming. Who invited you? Your who? Your great-grandma. Okay, sister great-grandma, thank you very much for inviting Aaliyah. Aaliyah, we're glad you came. And may God take care of you, protect you. Are you married? May the Lord give you a husband who has money. Come on, say amen. All right. Aaliyah, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All right. Those of you online, God bless you and grant you the desires of your heart. God is good. And all the time, our subject for this evening, a level above forgiveness. What did I say? A level above forgiveness. Before, let me check my phone, make sure it's turned off before I tell you, turn yours off. And then you'll say, that's a well-dressed hypocrite. His phone is not turned off. And he's telling us, turn off ours. All right, here we go. Mine is off. Nice and dead. If you're not using this, turn it off completely. If you're using it, just turn off the sound. Is that reasonable? Okay, favor number two. While I'm speaking, pray for me and say, Lord, what? Put your words in that man's mouth. Have you been here before? Have you been here before? Yes, sister, yes, sister Haney. But I see you saying exactly put your words in that man's mouth. Oh, I see, I see. You've been watching online. Okay. Ask God to put his words in my mouth. What's the verse I usually use? Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9, which says what? This side. Too slow, that side. Uh-huh. Behold. All right. Okay. Uh, we forgive you that side. We forgive you. Well, do that seriously during the presentation. And favor number three, what's that? What's the first we use? Isaiah 1.18, the first part of that verse says what? Come now, let us reason together. Why are you not a Seventh-day Adventist? Let's reason together. Mm -hmm. Why are you not... A seventh-day Adventist. Let's reason together. Why do you smoke? Let's reason, says God. Why do you beat up your husband every Saturday night? Let's reason together, said the Lord. Are you with me? Why do we do what we do? And God says, come. Let's discuss it so I can get your head right. Come now. Finish it for me. Let us reason together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's a blessing to be alive despite the trials and tribulations of day-to-day -day living. No one in this building or online wants to die right now. Fathers, we bow in your presence. Please forgive our sins. Please, Lord. Particularly since our subject is a level above forgiveness. But forgive us. Take me under control. Please, grip me tightly. Put your words in my mouth. Your ideas in my mind, the humility of Christ in my heart. Give me boldness, but give me compassion. 
Bless all those who are with us in the building and online, particularly our guests, Father. Grant them a sweet blessing, Father, please. And for the little boys and little girls who are watching, touch them, touch them, Father, and let them know you love them and you also want them to give their lives to you. Bless all countries tuned in, I pray, please, particularly the host country of the United States. Now, Father, let my mouth be yours, my words be yours. Use me as you see fit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's go to Genesis 2, we'll read 16 and 17, then we'll go to 3 and read from verse 1. Genesis 2, 16, 17, I've used it so many times, one of my favorite Bible passages, very, very significant passage in the entire Bible. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayst freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now Adam knew the penalty for disobedience was death. He knew that. By the way, God told that to Adam before Eve was made. Which means, how did Eve find out? Adam told her, mm-hmm. Brethren, you have responsibility. You fathers, tell your children. Are you with me? God could have told Eve, but it's obvious. He told Adam, Adam told Eve. That's part of the image of God. Someone tells someone else. In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, let's go to chapter 3. We'll read from verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, he shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, He shall not eat of it, neither shall he touch it, lest he die. And the serpent said unto the woman, He shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, let's read verse 6 carefully. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Verse 6 tells us, she consumed the fruit and also gave it to her husband. Now the Bible tells us that Eve was deceived, but Adam wasn't. That is scripture, that's not me. That's not sociology, that's the Bible. Eve was deceived, Adam wasn't. Now, which means Adam sinned cold-bloodedly. Are you with me? With eyes wide open, knowing who it was that gave the fruit to Eve, knowing she had contacted that deceiver about whom she and he had both been warned because God warns us. They had to have known there was an enemy in the land called the devil. Knowing this, and knowing the penalty for sin is death. Adam chose to eat. 
so that he could be with Eve. Which means, if you're thinking, there must be a power available to human beings that's greater than death. There must be something that is so powerful it removes from the human being the fear of death. Now death is universally feared by human beings. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Let's take a look at that. Hebrews 2, our subject, a level above forgiveness. It's already seven minutes after eight. I'll release you a little after 8.30. Hebrews 2, we read 14 and 15. Our subject is what? A level above forgiveness. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, carefully now, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The fear of death is a form of bondage. Clearly the verse is saying universally or globally, we are afraid of death. We do anything and everything to avoid dying. Let's go to the book of Job. We'll read from chapter 2 from verse 1. The book of Job, chapter 2, reading from verse 1. As you search for it, let me set it up. In chapter 1, we have the account of the sons of God meeting with God. And Satan came among them to meet with God. Clearly, as a representative of the earth. Because the sovereignty of the earth fell to Satan when Adam sinned. Mm-hmm. So Satan come as a representative. Now, chapter 2, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. Read verse 4. And Satan answered the Lord and said what? Tell me. Skin for skin, uh -huh, go on, all that a man hath, what, will he give for his life? In other words, to save his life. He will betray you to save his life. He will tell lies to save his life. He will desert the army, come on, to save his life. He will shoot first to save his life. Satan said, all that a man hath, will he give for his life. This is Florida. You have permits to carry guns, I think. Texas, my state, Michigan, is called a must-issue state. If you want it, you must get it. Unless you have some kind of twisted background record like the devil himself. But other than that, you must get it. Why do we have them? To protect our lives. Or why do people have them? To protect their lives. Our lives mean everything to us. Adam, knowing the penalty for sin was death. He chose to sin because something had a greater effect on him than the fear of death. 
And that was love for his wife. Now, all men say love for your wife. All men say amen. Ah, that was weak. Say it again. Amen. Your wives are listening to you. Say it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, love for his wife. And who can argue when a man loves his wife? No one argues. But when that love removes God and puts him in position too, we have a problem. But at least we see in Adam's uh, drama, his love for Eve conquered his fear of death. His love for Eve was a power that resisted the intimidation of death. And there are different kinds of powers that control our behaviors. Let me explain, but I'll pray again first. Father, as I continue, speak through me clearly, dear God. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Here's a young man. He likes to watch pornography. Or an old man, or an old woman, or a young woman. The person does it in secret. Why? The fear of being found out. It exercises a power over that person. And so the person hides. If the person hears someone coming, what happens? He switches from one channel to some church channel. Are you with me? <laughs> because embarrassment controls that person. Shame controls the person. So the person will not sit on a church pew and download those. Wouldn't do it. I'm in a church. It's a power, you see. Or Respect. When many of us are married, but when you're with your wife and you're visiting your parents, do you start behaving and engaging in lovey-dovey, lovey-dovey stuff right in front of your parents? No. Mm -mm. As much as it's legal and fine with God, you respect your parents. And so you restrain yourself. Hmm? That respect is a power that controls your behavior. Shame is a power. Embarrassment is a power. Respect is a power that controls us. And the fear of death is a power that controls us. But our subject is a level above forgiveness. That level is, don't do it. You didn't get it. Why do we need forgiveness? Because we sin. Where is Christ now? In heaven, interceding for us. When we sin and we say sorry, it is the blood of Christ that's applied to us to remove that sin. Not literal blood, it's his life. The blood represents life. There isn't blood flying around in heaven to cleanse sin. Mm -mm, that's a symbolic statement. The life of Christ is uh, imputed to that person. But as long as Christ is in heaven forgiving sins, he can't come back. Think of what I just said. Jesus Christ wants to come back very badly. But he can't leave what he's doing because we keep sending what? Sins up to heaven. Now I say we. I did not say the world because the world doesn't confess. 
So it's not the sins of the world that has Christ in the most holy place. It's the sins of believers who will not rise to a level above forgiveness, which is victory. If you don't do it, there's no need for forgiveness. Jesus can come. You get what I'm trying to say? He can come. But as long as we keep sorry, 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 he has to stay and deal with that. Now, let's look at Adam's example again. He loved his wife so much, it took him beyond the fear of death. But you and I must also experience freedom from the fear of death. It is only then that we have victory over Satan. Because Satan's greatest power over us is the intimidating our lives. Are you with me? Threatening our lives. Threatening our skins. And so some church members will not go to the rough part of town to give out tracts because it is too dangerous. As if they don't need the gospel. While the Red Cross goes where there's a war, the church will not go. Doctors without borders will go away. Bombs are going off. The church will not go. I have to protect my skin. Protect my life. I don't want to tempt God. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. We find all kinds of biblical reasons to disgrace God. We must come to the place where life is not as important to us as doing the will of God. Can you say amen? Let's look at a man who was driven by love for God more than the fear of death. Acts chapter 20. Let's read from verse 22. You know, not, <laughs> funerals don't put people in heaven. At funerals, everyone is a saint, including Al Capone and Hitler. And every funeral, a eulogy is a... It's a, it's, a, it's a good speech. Now, no matter how bad you are, a eulogy makes you a saint. Funerals do not place people in the kingdom of God. It is what you do while you're alive with respect to Jesus Christ. A church funeral does not give you an edge. A lot of people who have gotten church funerals are going to Christless graves. Are you with me? Acts chapter 20, reading from verse 22. When you found it, say amen. Let me pray again. Father, continue to speak through me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Read with me. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Paul says, I don't know for certain what will happen. Now, he knew something would happen. But there was something driving Paul. Save only that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying what? That bonds and afflictions abide me. Mm -hmm. Suffering. Now read 24 and see if you can fit into that verse. But none of these things move me. Come on. Neither count my life dear unto myself. Stop. My life is not that precious to me. But what was precious to Paul when he says, neither count I my life unto uh, me? What is he going to say? So that I might finish 
my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, there was something more important to Paul and that was doing the work of God. And so Paul said, I don't care about my life. I care about the gospel. When you come to that place, Satan has lost. His chief weapon is intimidating the life. But when you can say like Paul, I don't care what happens to this. I am committed to this mission that I got from Jesus Christ. In other words, my concern for Christ, my love for Christ overpowers my fear of death. We have examples of that in the Bible long before Paul. Remember the three Hebrew boys? Nebuchadnezzar said in verse 15 of Daniel 3, Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hand? Those three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand. O king, I love 18. But if not, we don't care. We're not bowing. Burn us. We are not bowing. The devil can do nothing with a man or a woman who comes to that point. No fear of death. Afraid of disappointing God. Are you with me? Afraid of disappointing God. Not afraid of death. You know death ends suffering. Do you know that? Mm. Christ, when he died on the cross, his suffering ended. That's why we have mercy killing it's called euthanasia. His suffering put him out of his misery. We're still afraid of death. And so Paul said, but none of these things moved me. Neither can I count, I count I my life dear unto myself. None of these things moved me. Not the economy. Not politics. Not Black Lives Matter. Or blue lives matter. Not the environment. Not that he doesn't care. They don't move him the way the gospel moves him. I have one focus. To do God's will. Why? Because I love him. And my love for God exceeds my fear of death. We must come to the place like Job who said, though he slay me. Mm -hmm. Come on. Yet will I trust in him. This is what I mean by a level above forgiveness. In other words, I am not doing it. I am not doing it. Now let's look at a young man who had that attitude. Go to Genesis 39. We'll read from verse 1. Our subject, a level above forgiveness. It is mm, 25, 23 minutes after 8. Time flies so quickly. Especially in Sunrise, Florida. Moves very fast. Do you have Genesis 39? We read from verse 1. 
And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. We're told twice he was an Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. And Joseph served him, and he found grace in his sight, and he made him overseer over his house. And all that he had, finish verse 4, he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had where? And to Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. Finish the verse. And Joseph was a goodly person and well, a handsome young man. Mm-hmm. He was a goodly person, well proportioned, broad shoulders, six pack. <laughs> huh? We find a goodly young man, well favored. Now, read verse 7. And it came to pass. After the, start again. And it came to pass. After these things that his master's wife cast her eye on Joseph and she said, lie with me. Stop. She's not saying that to a 90-year-old man. She's saying that to a young man. He could have played for the NFL if they had it back then. Are you following me? Strong, all the hormones flowing in his system as nature arranged. Lie with me. Now, that's the way how some people move up the ladder in modern times. Oh, not modern times. Throughout history, people have slept their way to the top, not knowing that they're actually sleeping their way down. You can't sin to the top in God's eyes. Sin never takes you up unless you're going up on a gallows. Sin takes you down. You're really sleeping your way down. Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, what? My master knoweth what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither have he kept back anything from me but thee. Why? Because thou art his wife. Now, Joseph says, Potiphar has elevated me, honored me, given me all the privileges. I am the most important official in his house. We already know from verse 6, jo Joseph was in such complete control that Potiphar did not know how much money he had. Joseph knew. All Potiphar knew I had, you know, oats for breakfast and two eggs. What else do you have? Asked Joseph. Why aren't you worried? He's a child of God. Are you following me? And he said, then how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now, people who, there's nothing wrong with logic. Don't misunderstand me. But in the temple of truth, logic is a Levite. Are you with me? Who's the Holy Ghost? Ah, oh, just give it away. Who's the high priest in the temple of truth? The Holy Ghost. Not everything logical is biblical. Listen to the logic. My master wotteth not what is with me in the house. One. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. Two. There's none greater in the house than I. Three. 
Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, for he's done all these things for me. Therefore, how can I do this great wickedness against him? That's a logical conclusion. But that's not what he said. He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That young man had God as his focus. Can you say amen? And his love for God took him above and beyond his fear of any retribution that woman could bring against him because men believe their wives. Are you following me? And he was risking himself by saying no because she could have said anything and she did. And he ended up in prison. He could have been killed, but clearly Potiphar must have loved him knowing how faithful he was and he may have had some suspicion about Sister Potiphar. But Joseph took a risk. Why? Because his love for God exceeded the fear of consequences. My brothers and sisters, we said earlier, embarrassment is a power that controls people. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were afraid, they were embarrassed, they rushed to cover themselves. That power controlled them. Respect is a power. Fear is a power, but the greatest power is expressed in 2 Corinthians 5.14, but the love of Christ constraineth us. The motivation that drives you and me should be our love for God. And so when Eve came to Adam in all her beauty, but a sinner, because she'd sinned, but still pretty, Adam should have said, Eve, you know I love you, but I love God more. Let me talk to God on your behalf, but I'm not offending him. Here comes Sarah to Abraham. Abraham, we just can't seem to have a child. Why don't you sleep with Hagar? Abraham should have said, Sarah, come. Let's go for a ride on one of the camels in the desert. Let's talk. I can't do that because I'm a child of God even if it means we never have a child. I cannot do that. But he did it. And up to today, the descendants of Ishmael and descendants of Isaac are killing each other. My brothers and sisters, there is a level above forgiveness. That level is, don't do it. And the power that keeps me from doing it is that I must love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, more than anyone on the face of the earth, including children, spouse, government, supervisor, you name it. I must value God above everything and everyone. Now, these stories of dying for someone else, are really common. We just don't hear about them. When soldiers go to battle, some willingly die for others because they're my brothers. Are you standing me? And so one will jump on a hand grenade because he values the life of his buddy above his. The Congressional Medal of Honor is not given for those who hide and duck and give up to the enemy. Mm -mm. It is given for those who are willing to lose their lives for the sake of others. And <laughs> Jesus will receive the Congressional Medal of Honor from God 
You say, why do you say that? Go to John 10. Let me show you what I mean. Our subject, a level above forgiveness. John 10. I just said Christ will receive heaven's congressional medal of honor. John 10, 16 and 17. It's 830. I have at most 10 minutes. Do you have John 10, 16, 17? When you found it, read with me. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall be one fold and one shepherd. Now very carefully read verse 17. Therefore doth my father love me. Why? Because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Now pause and think. Question for you. Before Adam sinned and the plan of salvation was activated, did the father love the son, yes or no? Yes. You read what Christ is saying, the love of God for his son, in some mysterious way, increased, intensified when the son actually went through the process of giving his life. And so Jesus said, therefore doth my father love me. Why? Because I lay down my life. Mm -hmm. Now I may take it again. This sacrifice of life for the sake of someone else moved the father and the father's love for his son increased. And I cannot explain how God could love Jesus more. The father appreciates self-sacrifice. My brother and sister, unless you and I come to the place where we're not afraid of death, we will sin and keep saying sorry. Those three Hebrew boys could have knelt and said, sorry. You take the exam on Sabbath, then you say sorry when you have your degree. You work on Sabbath, you say sorry as you return the tithe from working on Sabbath. We do all sorts of things, then we say sorry because God forgives. But there must be a level above forgiveness. When will we say no, 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 no to Satan? Up to and including loss of our lives. And I say it again, loss of life. You know, Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee. Both into prison and to death. That's what he said. We don't know what we're saying. The fact is, most people say what Peter said. I love Jesus. The first trial that comes, they leave Jesus. They don't leave the church building. They leave Christ. Because we will value our lives above faithfulness to God. It happens all the time. In John 6, Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Many of his disciples not understanding he meant this is his flesh and his blood. They said this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And in verse 66 of John 6, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked. They left him. This is tough. And the reason why churches are so full, a blunt gospel is not preached. When you come to Christ, you have declared war on Satan. And I've known, I know no one who loves war. Except those who sell bullets. And military material but they're not on the battlefield are you with me nobody loves war 
But that's what you initiate when you give your life to Christ. And the giving of that life must be to such a degree that you actually give the life. You see, Jesus loved you so much. It conquered the fear of death for him. Could Christ have come off the cross? Yes or no? Yes. Mm -hmm. But he stayed. Because love for you, and I mean you individually, was greater than the fear of death. My brothers and sisters, when we love God more than we fear death, we will rise to a level above forgiveness. We will not do it. Even if I die, I will not do it. How many of us will say like Peter, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. I'm sure we say that in a casual way. Until the test comes and God really sees where people stand. Everyone has to be tested because if we're all good at words. Love the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Very good at words. When the rubber hits the road, God can't find us. Because we're protecting our most valued asset, which is our lives. Tonight, I want you to say to God, Father, help me. This takes divine help. Help me to value you above my life. How many of you will say that? Can I see your hand? Help me to stand up with me. Help me to value you above my life. If we do not reach that point, we cannot enter God's kingdom. The devil cannot. You've heard of suicide bombers. I'm sure you've heard of them. No matter how much technological advances the United States military has, it has no way to stop a suicide bomber. Because the suicide bomber's most important weapon is his life. And he's willing to give it up. When you meet someone ready to die, you have already lost. Because the person doesn't care. You've already lost. And Jesus gave up his life to save us. We must be willing to give up our lives to benefit from that salvation. That's the way it works. Everything from heaven for us was given to us in Christ. Everything of us must be given to God. Everything comes down. Everything goes up. Without that, we cannot have salvation. We must learn, we must desire to get beyond forgiveness. We thank God for forgiveness. But it is constant forgiveness that has Christ still in the most holy place. Forgiving, forgiving, forgiving. He's wondering, when do you stop? So I can come. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father in heaven, we thank you for the example of Paul who did not value his life to such a degree as to jeopardize the gospel. We thank you for Joseph who risked everything to honor you. We thank you for the three Hebrew boys who were willing to be burned to a crisp instead of dishonoring their Savior. We thank you for Daniel who was willing to be chewed upon by lions rather than bow to a man in prayer. 
And we thank you for Christ, who was willing to die a horrible death, face the second death, if that would save us. And he did it. Now, dear God, give to us the mind of Jesus Christ. We're grateful for Daniel. We're grateful for Joseph. We're grateful for Paul. But we want the mind of Jesus so that nothing Satan does will intimidate us. We will honor you even unto death. And so we thank you for the promise of Revelation 2 verse 10. Be thou faithful unto death, dear God. And there is nothing symbolic about it. It is literal. Be thou faithful unto death. And I will give thee a crown of life. Father, let this be our decision tonight, dear God. Let us leave this place loving you above everything else and everyone else so that we may reach the level above forgiveness and that level is victory. I will not disgrace my God. Here is humble pray God. Bless us in this building. Bless us online. And let this message put someone on the road to victory, Father. Freedom from the fear of death. Placing God above everything and everyone. Do this day, God, we pray from our hearts. In Jesus' name and for his sake, let God's people say, Amen and Amen. God above everyone and everything. What will you take from the message? Raise your hand and tell us. What will you take from the message? Raise your hand and tell us. You must. Yes, sister. Joseph's love for God led him to say, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? All sin is first against God. Somebody else, what will you take from the message that you heard tonight, which was a level above forgiveness? Yes, my brother. We have to stop sinning so that Christ can leave the most holy place and come back. Yes, my brother. I choose Christ above all. Yes, Brother Fitz. Say that again. He's first. He's first. He's first. First commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Even if it kills you, have no God before me. Somebody else. What will you take? Yes, my dear sister. I must love God so much. It delivers me from the fear of death. Yes, my sister. Above everything. And this is literal. It is not symbolic. One more. Yes. Oh, well, then the case is closed. Perfect love casteth out all fear, including <clears throat> the fear of death. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Let God's people say amen and amen. God bless you. Keep the speed limit. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.